Forty chess. Yeah. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Let's get it. Forty chess. Huh. Forty chess. Chess, this a trade show. Patreon where the trades go. Tap in and watch. That's what you came for. Ain't gotta say my name, they know my name, bro. What's good, man? We got McNutted in HEM. Always start off the show with a trade from them. You should always make sure that your trade is in. Patreon, why not be a Patreon? Know you wish you could spend every day with them. Tap in and say what you gonna say with them. Stop home and can fill up a stadium. Next time you log in, make sure that you bring a friend. We about to kick off, let the day begin. Go follow the socials. 40 chess FF is posted. If your trade is an F, you get roasted. Go like and subscribe for the crew. Apple, Spotify, and the YouTube. You know Cooper got the wall too. Let us give you a walkthrough. 40 chess. This is 40 chess. What's good, everybody? Welcome back into the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, especially if you're a patron joining the live stream. Really appreciate you. Love to do the interaction and a nice little perk of being a member of the Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash South Harmon if you want to get in the door. Trade show channel, live 4D Chess, where you're able to ask uh, ask, uh, ask questions in a little bit more intimate uh, setting than uh the AMA on Wednesday because that thing gets wild and off the rails and we start left and end up right and upside down. But 40 yeah. chess podcast, Adam, what's good with you, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a little candlelight, you know, a little, little intimacy, if you will, for the, uh, it, for the 40 the, chess dynasty podcast. You, you know? get the soothing voice of a uh, Barry white also known as ATM. <laughs> Listen, it's one of the, you know, things I'm, I'm good at, although it had nothing to do with me. I just naturally had it, you know, just, I can gift. give you that. I can give you that. It's the only thing I have God. are gifts. It's, you know, just got lucky with it, you know. It's just all over the place, man. I also have a couple curses. Um, that's why I stopped wearing jerseys. I basically, you know, have affected enough human lives Kill. at this point. Yeah. Kill so, But, Mike, man, I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for everyone tuned in live and Friday, checking this out. Dynasty Degenerates. I'm excited about this one, man. This is, you know, Mike, if you, you and I have been in enough startups together, but if you're listening to this, You've been in a startup with me. You've seen some of the trades I've made. You know, you know my heart in the rebuild, that I love the rebuild. I, I enjoy. See, it's funny, man. I've had some conversations with people as I played, you know, longer. And you have more, I say you have more interactions with people that you play in more leagues with. So it gives you, you know, your first year in your first league with somebody, you really don't know how they play, anything really about them. And as you get going, the reason I'm bringing this up is I, you start to see hmm. who is very, very uncomfortable and does not find pleasure in the rebuild, right? Because yeah. they're always just ready to get to this contending piece. And let's be honest. Yes, everybody wants to win the league this year and win the money. The rebuild doesn't do anything for you right now, right? It doesn't help you win the money. It helps you lose the money. But the reason you're doing it is because you know right now your time to win the money isn't there. And it's an idea of getting yourself as close to winning the money in a short amount of time as possible 
and not to short cycle that so that you're right back into the mix of not winning the money. So Mike, for me, the rebuild is very, like a very fond thing for me. I love the rebuild. I enjoy sitting back and watching some of these leagues. Like, all right, let me see a couple of these dudes duke it out at the top and let me see which one I can kind of pick on, you know, which one can I pick off some of their shit when they mess this up inevitably or through no fault of their own. And when they come calling for my assets, this guy, this guy, every one of them can go. I get to be at the luxury of, listen, this whole thing is disposable. This shop, everything is for sale. As long as you're willing to pay the price. And I think, at least for me, because I've seen people uncomfortable in this stage, I think this is a very good topic right now because there's a couple reasons. One, if you're uncomfortable here and you want to get out of the rebuild, I think it's even more pertinent to listen to this so that you can maximize efficiency. And two, if you want to do that, I think you have to be uncomfortable, right? Like one of the things that's, that's the most common in the rebuild is everyone on your team, you're kind of thinking I'm going to maximize value out of this sale. And because of that, you end up kind of being antithetical to your build because you just end up holding assets. And there is a push and pull there. There's obviously a spot where you don't want to sell a player just to get rid of them. But I think the balancing act of that combined with people that don't like being in this spot makes it a very, very good conversation. You really got to put assets into buckets, right? Put them into buckets. What's their value? What's their outlook? So here's one thing. We go in dynasty cycles, Adam. We go in dynasty cycles. Keenan Allen is never going to be more valuable than he is right now. Right now. You can have Keenan Allen on your team and love him to death, Adam. You can love him to death and you go, well, maybe he's got another year in him next year. Like, I'm not, I don't really want to move him on a rebuild. He's a must-go in a rebuild. Must-go. Why? Because even if you do like him, go buy him back in May, June, July, when people hate him because he's old, he's crusty. And we go, oh, gross. I want that, uh, I want that rookie who was uh, you know, the 203. I want that rookie wide receiver. I want that dude. I don't want Keenan Allen. I want Jalen Hyatt before he's even drafted. Boom. That's where it is. We are in the dynasty cycle right now of aging vets being at their peak, period. Now, what's the downside with a lot of these assets that people are holding and trying to maximize value at them? Can go in a minute. It's done. It's over with. Cam Akers, right? Cam Akers still had some value a week ago. Where's he at now? Cuttable. Tradable for a fifth. Some fab. Nope. Cuttable. I mean, Mike, I'm telling you, I have actually, it's funny, I've kind of in these best ball leagues added acres into some of these deals like, hey, here's a little, you know, free addition. I've literally had people after come back to me in like the, the negotiation discussion, 10 minutes thinking, you know, honestly, Cam Akers isn't making this deal any better for me. Like, it almost it, makes I, and worse, honestly, right? yeah, it makes it almost worse at times, which is just to the point you're making. I, I don't think I will say this. The point you're making is very good. I don't want to cut you off. So if you had some other finishing thoughts, because I, I got to carry well, over well, what that. you're talking about with Cam Akers is like you order a nice it doesn't got to be steak. Right. But you order a nice meal, like a, a nice pizza. Right. For there we favorite go. Pizza, pizza you joint. Go. You open it up and there's a hair sitting on it. It's like, I don't know that I want the whole whole fucking thing for me didn't it? i'm definitely not eating this piece but i'm probably not eating the whole pie now huh <laughs> right like it ruins it doesn't it 
Yeah. And, and, and it's you, just one little hair. You know what I mean? Like Cam Akers is that one little hair that's just bad enough. You toss him into a deal and people go. It's it's thin enough. It's small enough. It's, you also, you know, you, you think it came from a strange place and um, you just, you're good. I think, Mike, it, it's funny though, man, because on this topic, right, you talked about buckets and I think he, he, here's what ends up happening. Um, I'm going to talk about something from the best ball perspective in a little bit of a specific manner, but I think this carry over and will carry over and you can apply it to your lineup leagues and other leagues too. Especially though in best ball, Mike, what I find is, okay, who tends to be the teams that are needing to rebuild that haven't already gone there, right? So we're talk. what I'm talking about here specifically is a team that is essentially a failed contender or told themselves a story that they're in the mix and should be in the mix. We now are getting to the point in the season where you find out you're not. Typically, now this is not a one-size-fits-all, but it's a uh, it's a unisex almost-fits-all, okay? Typically, they don't have enough assets on their team. Typically, they are just short of enough players and players of meaningfulness to make themselves a contender. So what ends up happening there? See, th- there's a conundrum, I think, in best ball especially, but I think it honestly fits in a lot of lineup leagues, especially as you get longer starting li- uh, starting lineups. You have less prize pieces you see, right, when you talk about buckets. Okay, so you, now you're saying to yourself, man, I got JT, I got Austin Eckler, I got Keenan Allen. You know, you start going through with these these type names, right? You're talking about running backs that are already literally by the day depreciating. The only thing that appreciates them is scoring and the fact that we're in the part of the year that scores points where that is the most meaningful thing in Dynasty, right? So the fact that they're peaking, Keenan Allen's peaking, right? You have these guys that are helping win people championships on your team. Your team's just not doing that. But because you don't have enough of them, Mike, I think the key is you think, all right, well, shoot, I only got four of these type guys to sell. I got to make sure I get, shoot, I can't just take one first. Come on, man. Like, what if I miss with that first? Mike, I mean, you're only going to give me one. This guy's going to win you a league. You want one first? What if I miss? What if I take Quentin Johnson? Okay, well, what if you do? What if you don't, what if you don't draft a player? Do you know that this draft pick doesn't mean you have to take a player in May when you make this trade on November 7th if you're listening to it now, 10th if you listen to it on Friday? Did you know that? Did you know that a single sale of Keenan Allen does not mean that you have uncertainty on your team for the rest of time? Correct. And I think the crazy part about that is, one, because you have a lack of elite players or players that you feel you can get the top dollar price from, you'll end up holding them because you won't get said price you think you'll get. And next year, now you are in a spot where in the offseason, you have no sell window on Keenan Allen, dude. Your sell window's gone. So you have to hold them till next year. And now you are of the process where you haven't multiplied and not only have you not multiplied, you're a year older with Keenan Allen. So now you're relying on Keenan Allen staying healthy and being this good again in a year from now. Like, there are other points on the contending side where you try to buy too low. However, I think for this specific podcast and topic, like, some of those things need to be very, very highlighted. One of the best things, too, we talk about assets that are gold or assets that are 
buckets. Like the ones that fit in the very, very good bucket, the ones you really want. So think like CJ Stroud right now. Like CJ Stroud's a hot one, right? Ascending dynasty. Sam value. Laporta. Sam Laporta. Uh, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, uh, JSN to an extent. Like these assets where you know, like they're not probably going down. They're they're going to go up, or they're going to maintain value. These are the stable assets. The most stable thing you can get outside of draft liquidity, right? What's the one thing we know is going up? Draft picks. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're going up. They are going up. Well, well, and Mike, the thing is though, because we t- this is kind of one of the things I wanted to get to with the Acres discussion. You know, but you know what the picks are not doing in any capacity? Get going hurt. down. They're they're not going down. Period. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams gets hurt tomorrow. Your twenty twenty four picks are still going to go up. Now, if it's a significant injury, maybe the 101 is slightly depreciated. But understand that all your picks are not hurt. They don't take a hit until you get really, really close to draft time or press the button on them. People always want to look at them, you know, like you said, like I got to maximize the value for it. But here's what you're doing. You're getting risk off your team and putting less risky assets onto your squad, whether that's through draft capital whether that's through young ascending players, whatever the case is, you have risk tolerance, and the risk tolerance on the old guys should be next to none. <laughs> should be next to, listen, first decent offer I get for this dude, gone. And this is why Eric's auto-accept trade block has been so damn important, right? Like, you just put it on there. I got these assets, here's the price. Now, uh, a certain someone that we know uh, may or may not be a part of the South Harmon team always sets that price a little bit too damn high. <laughs> Well, let's at least speak speak in the right tense. It typically in the past was always too high. He, he got a, he's gotten a little better. Uh, a little he bit. still needs to, you know, I would say do some assessing. But um, you know, it's at least moving in the right direction, Mike. I want to get off. So l- let's talk about it. Let's start at the quarterback spot. Like these are assets where if you don't want to move them off your team on a rebuild, by all means, you don't have to. Okay, they're they're pretty safe. Right, quarterbacks in super flex leagues, lineup, best ball, etc. Right, Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, Tua, Kyler, Bryce Young. Probably end a list, right? I mean, I would say for me it would be that you could make your debates, but I'll. That's where I'll cut it. Yeah. I mean, maybe you make a case for a Dak or a Deshaun Watson or whatever, but. Not really for me. Like, I'm good. <laughs> These guys could change overnight. We've seen worse with the quarterback spot, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Running backs. Going to be a very, very short list, Adam. Very short list. Well, let's uh, let's see how long or short we can make it. Bijan. Brees Hall. <clears throat> Jameer now, Gibbs. Let's cl- can we cl- let me, before we uh, do any discussing, can we clarify what we're grouping real quick assets that you don't have to move right you don't have to you you should be looking but you don't have to okay and and so for this because it was worded with that especially and i knew that's what it was i just wanted to make sure because if it was going to be any different type of wording i'm going to put the i personally will put these guys in there now to your point, if it's not have to move, I'm 100% with you. These guys, you don't have to move. And what I mean by that is if 
if for whatever reason you're unable to sell, it's not like, um, it, this is not going to really be extremely detrimental to your rebuild. The one, the one thing I will say about them. Okay. Because I, I just want to, th this specific position for me, Mike, and you talked about this, you, the, your wording is so, so good here. The tolerance of players for me, Mike on rebuilds, my tolerance on running backs is at literally zero. Like if you had the toggler, I'm at the far left. There's no way to take it down. It's, it is at zero because here's the thing. Running backs in particular. So, for example, you talk about C.J. Stroud. You talk about some of these elite quarterbacks. You talk about some of these elite receivers. The reason I can tolerate that is because the market is not so devastating to them as assets in the time sense. Okay, because we value these elite quarterbacks like they're going to be around for the rest of our lives. We value mm. these wide receivers the same way. These running backs, Mike, psh, rest of our lives, psh, by the next time I open a can of pop, by the next time I have a water, these guys could go to nothing. Now, those ones specifically, they're not going to go to nothing. But, Mike, for example, and I think this is one of the – when I ask myself the question, I'm sorry to kind of hijack this thing because we need to get through with this, but – when, I, when I'm talking running back specifically, I think it's a good conversation. I ask myself a question when I'm dealing away players. And the question always is, if they get hurt, what happens? When you have a guy like Bijan get hurt, you've seen with Brees Hall, he will retain value because it's Bijan Robinson. Jameer Gibbs, I don't necessarily know that it will stay the same. But he's still going to be valued as a top 12 running back-ish. You know, he's... Mm -hmm that good but Brees and Bijan now Brees if he were to get hurt again I think you'd see a further ding but the point is I've at least seen with like Brees Hall and I know the asset of Bijan has some retention however what's certain the climb back see the one difference about the elite quarterbacks and the elite receivers is when you ask the second question what does it look like when they're healthy the climb back for Bijan Robinson is not going to likely be the same. He might be in the same discussion, but what you can sell for is never going to be the same as it is in his rookie season. So for me, that's why my tolerance on running backs is zero. I get you. I also have the same opinion about tight ends too. So we'll <laughs> we can, uh, you know what, tight ends we can uh, we can definitely get to that point too. Yeah, wide receivers are the interesting one, right? Because mm -hmm. this so much becomes about age. So much, right? Like I don't want to look at age for uh, for dynasty production. Um, not looking at age for how I do it for you know if I'm looking for the next two three years, right? This is why I was so high on uh, Tyreek Hill. But uh, when I look at wide receivers, right, it's Justin Jefferson, it's Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown at the top, and then you get one curveball thrown in with like a Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill for sure, like that's a dude I'm looking to move just in case because something bad happens to him it's done for like it's it's not gonna look good and like adam said the climb back is not good um some of these guys that are in their second year garrett wilson right chris alave i'm not necessarily more like the running backs right like i should be exploring moving them drake london i should be exploring moving them but i don't have to right like i can kind of hold and I go, well, even if they dip just a little bit, right, they're still young enough. There's still enough fans out there. There's still enough market value retention that I'm looking at. But worst case scenario, still a top 20 wide receiver asset in Dynasty, right? That's fine. Stefan Diggs, though, done. Like, off my team. See you later. <laughs> right? 
got to go. Uh, T. Higgins kind of actually reached that point for a lot of people where, like, if you're, you're rocking a T. Higgins and somebody comes a knocking, don't have to sell, but you should definitely be looking at it, right? You should definitely be exploring it. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, because of the age thing, right? He's approaching that 26 number, right? We talked about uh, Chris Godwin today when we did the trade show. Same thing with Brandon Ayuk, right? This is a guy who could plummet, you know? He gets into that Absolutely. irrelevant range of the 30s. DK Metcalf, kind of the same story. Yep. Zay Flowers, JSN, you don't have to move if you don't want to. Like I'm perfectly fine if you hold him in a rebuild. Uh, DJ Moore, though, Cooper Cup, gone. Michael Pittman, 26, gone. Nico Collins, I don't think he has the value insulation uh, because we haven't seen anything for the first couple of years, and this is the first year we actually saw something. Where, you know, he's 24, that would be a guy like, I don't have to move him, but I probably should, right? He kind of falls into that middle bucket. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset that I'm selling. And if no, if I really don't find a buyer, then I don't find a buyer. But yeah, I'm with, the, the, the same, same wording is exactly right. You're trying to move the guy. Devontae Adams, right? Gone. Got him. Keenan be. Allen, gone. These guys, gone. these guys have... Like these guys, especially Mike, shouldn't even be close to a consideration. No, no. Uh, when you talk Adams and when you talk Allen, because Mike, here's the thing. Look at Adams. Adams right now is scary in a way for a contender, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like the, we we transition a little bit into the Musco bucket, right? <laughs> like the Musco bucket. Those but... guys for for those that didn't maybe catch, those are Muscos, Keenan Allen right. and Devonta Adams, Muscos, and. I'm only at wide receiver 25 right on keep trade cut rankings. How about tight ends? Is there any tight ends where you put in the the safe category where I should explore moving them, but I don't really have to if I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not getting full price, then piss off. I mean, I would say in general, Mike, when I talk about the tight end position, it's really of one that I'm trying to move everyone, frankly. Um, <laughs> What's either too? I will say the exception for me is going to be if it is if there is an exception if no one's actually willing to pay something real for Kelsey because he, he's always worth more to a contender than a rebuilder. So for example, if you if you're not in a nuke rebuild, you tell me you, you're going to be around next year and you're not getting I'd say in the range of a like a first type player, like if if people are trying to nickel and dime you for a guy like Kelsey, I'm telling them piss off because it's Travis Kelsey, right? I'm with you. I'd make the exception there, right, with Travis Kelsey, but I'd make the exception a lot lower than what people perceive his market value to be. You right. Know? I think like my I think bottom the, line is you send me any first for him, <laughs> we're, we're having a real discussion, right? Like correct. I'm gonna try to milk you for more, obviously, but. Uh, I'm not killing the deal because I think you insulted me with a first. If you're the only person who's offered me a first and nobody else wants to throw me shit, Travis Kelsey is yours. Enjoy. I, I think that's. I think the main thing, though, when we have this conversation just now with Kelsey, and this I think is going to apply to anybody that's not a true must go. Okay. I think the main thing after you establish that you want to move when possible is now setting the price at a place where. Here is the key. I, if I'm going to be honest about the fine line of the key, it's understanding market value on a player and then setting it just below that threshold, frankly. Because yep. it needs to be palatable to where they, Mike, when you go to buy anything, unless you're some, you know, 
just outrageously rich person that doesn't have the uh, average American mindset, let's say. What are you looking for? Some sort of a savings, some sort of a discount, free shipping at minimum, something. You want something. As buyers in this country, we love to consume. We absolutely love to consume. But you know what we don't like to do, most of us? Buy what says the full sticker price on everything. <laughs> Even if Amazon is going to uh, mark up their Prime Day deals, but sell them as a sale. <clears throat> we still jump all over that shit, don't we? <laughs> Mike, put on there that, put on one of those deals for Amazon Prime Day that it's uh, this is a limited deal. They're only going to sell this many of them. All of a sudden, them deals are going to go a little quicker. And the point I'm making, though, you know, as a guy that has been has been in sales for a long time, you have to make it where they feel the need to get this at this price, right? You have to make when you try to make a sale, you have to make like the other person feel like they need it. And one of the ways they feel like they don't need it is, oh my gosh, this, you see this price? I don't need that. I am good on that, man. You can have it. I'll find something else. I got a bunch of stores to shop at. So I think understanding market is so big in a lot of ways. But when you set that price on guys that are needing to go, understanding, set it just below the threshold where you're getting the value you need out of it, but you're not scaring away buyers. I like that. I like that. Um, I think some people might push back a little bit. Uh, and I can acknowledge the fact that maybe like Sam Laporta, Kyle Pitts, or Dalton Kincaid don't necessarily have to go. <laughs> But I'm kind of with you on a running back discussion where even though those guys have youth, the tight end is just generally a, kind of an unimportant position across most leagues. And, you know, if I look at worst case scenario for some of these guys, I'm like, man, if they had a catastrophic injury, do they have the value bounce back? No, not any more than, a, you know, like a David Njoku would have, right? Not any more than a Pat Fryermuth who missed most of this season so far. And when he was playing, didn't really do shit. Not really, man. Like, those guys, I'm good, man. I love Sammy Ballgame. Dalton Kincaid's come on strong. And you know the affinity for Kyle Pitts. But you give me a reasonable offer for those guys, um, anything relatively close to market, they're yours. And uh, I'll figure out tight end <laughs> when I'm actually ready to try to compete. Same way I do with running back. All right, Mike. So I'm going to play the game here. Um, everybody listening, watching, I'm going to play this game, uh, this, um, this game of, I, I don't want to sell Sam Laporta. I don't want to sell Dalton Kincaid. I don't want to sell Kyle Pitts. So mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm right now. I want like 40. We talk a lot. A lot of the 40 chess stuff we talk about is obviously in the mindset of, uh, fucking around kidding, you know, but there are some points where like, I want to change the way you view things. I want you to really think and change your mindset on stuff. And I think this one is going to be one of them as a total package of the podcast. So I'm like, let's play this game. All right. So you want to keep Sam Laporta. You want to keep uh, whichever one of these guys. Why, why would you want to do that? Just like, let's go down this, this lane here. I think the first answer you'll get from a lot of people would be they're young, right? <laughs> Okay. They're rookies, right? Mm -hmm. Or in case of Kyle Pitts, right? Third year, elite prospect, highest drafted tight end we've ever seen, right? Great rookie year, all that. Uh, Where an Arthur Smith firing away from him being relevant again, right? And possibly being that tight end one overall game changer, warp god, the whole works, right? Yeah. There's your there's your four argument. <laughs> That's best case scenario, right? That's well, the rosiest. Yeah, and I think. 
Okay, so I'm going to take it a step further because I think you're correct. The, the, the next and the reason you don't want to detach yourself now is because you say, well, hold on. Now I got to make a pick or do something else and find this is a guy that's secure and could be a difference maker at the position that I can just hold and stay here with, right? So yeah. that's a, that'll be the part of the story you tell yourself. And I think, all right, I'm going to do my best here to give you guys a mindset shift of why, in my opinion, one, this is not the correct way to look at it, and two, where you might be missing benefits by doing it this way, okay? So, Mike, let's just talk about the tight end position, all right? And Sam Laporta right now is keep trade cut tight end one. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in certain leagues may still have Travis Kelsey as their one, okay? But here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Because of the market of Sam Laporta, why in the world would you not sell a guy that cannot go up any higher in a dynasty league? The answer should be kind of to the second question, like the second part of the statement. If you have the reason you won't sell Patrick Mahomes or one of those guys is because they are at the premier position that is possibly unlikely to be just replicated anywhere, right? There, you tell me Patrick Mahomes is so damn good. I'm just going to hold that asset. I'm going to try to flip other things. Okay, we can have the conversation. Like, I, I'm not going to say it's what I do, but I can tell you that I can have that conversation and you make a point. Sam Laporta does not play the position that is the premier position in Dynasty. And he's at peak. Why on earth are we not trading this asset, period? Especially on a rebuild. The whole idea in a rebuild is what? Like, I think people kind of find a way to look at their lineup and their players and they, they see... Sam Laporta, they see, oh, this guy. The whole idea here is you're not playing the same game everybody else is playing. You're not playing to win. All you're doing is trying to play to lose. You're literally flipping assets over and over and over. You're trying to make as many sales as possible to make this pile of dynasty goodness more. Sam Laporta is a must sell for me on a rebuild. Period. <laughs> I was just looking. So keep trade cut. Uh, shout out to them. They did add tight end premium. They did. You know, to the rankings. A little, little purple button, man. You know? Right. And did you see that you could do it multiple times? You know what I mean? And they, they listed, All right? So the way. single plus, you know, half PPR bonus, your traditional tight end premium, right? They give you, they give you up to three pluses, I think it is. Two right? pluses is start two tight ends or maybe in a, a really high premium, maybe your 0.75, your full point, or you know, the like way I look at it, two point seven five. The way I look at it is right. The first plus is kind of like it's a premium that may not mean much. The two pluses to me is now we're in this higher tight end premium, and possibly a two tight end. I think the third for me, the way I would view that is now we're in a two tight end tight end premium league. Two tight end tight end premium league, right? Uh, in two tight end tight end premium leagues, Porter <clears throat> is the tenth overall asset on keep trade cut. Think about that. Why the fuck would I hold him? Why? I um, can get CJ Stroud basically straight up for Sam Laporta because it's a start two tight end league with a tight end premium. <laughs> By all means, Adam, I did a startup tomorrow with the patrons. We put them in here. I make a two tight end league. I give you a .75 bonus for your tight end premium in best ball. How many people take Sam Laporta in round one? I would hope I could not. Do, I would I hope not anybody. I would, I would hope. hope. It would be zero. Now, I, I, the reason I say that, I'm not guaranteeing anything, Mike. <laughs> I'm not I guaranteeing wish. shit. 
What I'll say, say is this, though. But if you think about it, okay? And because that's why for me, Mike, if you start really thinking about that lens of it, okay? I'm trying to just continue to multiply the pool I have of dynasty goodness, dynasty value, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Sam Laporta is a luxury position that's at peak. There's just principles. That is principle 101, got to go. I can replace, like even in two tight end, tight end premium, I can replace Sam Laporta later. I got news for everybody too. You know who's coming in next year? Brock Bowers. You know, do y'all realize that there are gonna be other shiny toys out there that make a discussion for if San Laporta is tight end one at some point? Yeah. Like, right or wrong, I'm not saying he can't stay tight end one for a while. I'm not saying he's not a very, very good tight end. I'm not. What I'm telling you is the value of San Laporta makes him a must sell. Now, the only caveat to this is going to be what is the real market for him in your leagues? Drawing, again, that price. When you set the price at a reasonable price, if you can't get anywhere near that and you want to hold Sam Laporta, I'm fine with it. But I think that's why I want to talk about all this in unison, Mike, because it, it works very hand and foot like that. If you set a really reasonable price given markets for this type of a league, you should be able to sell. And if you can't, and if it's nowhere near that, and you set a reasonable price, not an unreasonable price, I can say, okay, you got to hold Sam Laporta then. There's definitely a lot of these players, too, where uh, we look back on this year and you go, <laughs> like, you missed your window to sell. Now they ain't worth shit. Nobody cares already. But we forgot about them. We forgot about them, right? Like, Kyron Williams. Now, he may do something when he comes back, and he may be that guy. But if you were holding him two, three weeks ago, why? If well, you were rebuilding. And now, you, and now you have no choice but to hold. Because you're selling it. Gosh, you're selling it. Pennies now again, right? I mean, what was the point? Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. Remember when I'm talking him up about how great the warp number is? And like, geez, you might want to do something crazy. I'll, I'll answer this one. Because there was somebody that said maybe maybe the move was make a first. And when no maybe one would give him a first, yeah. that's why they had the whole. But no, I mean, seriously. Those are the type of players that got to go. I mean, Kyron Williams, I, I'll talk to you about go back and look. Buying Kyron on a contender. Buying Mostert on a contender, Michael talked about. But. Nowhere ever did we say these are guys you should be keeping on a rebuild. Ever, never no. happened. You should, and you shouldn't have been holding out for for full value, <laughs> right? Like you shouldn't have been that person. Now, um, can I? Can I? I'm going to answer real quick. Fizzle has a yeah. question here. That's a good one. I think. What's worse, running back or tight end? It's easily running back for me. And I'll say the reason why. It, it kind of depends on where they fall, um, like how high they get up the pendulum. But like for Sam Laporta, if you just think about him, right? The one thing about him is his downside. Mike, look at Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts hasn't done shit in going to be two years. He's tight end six, man. You know how far these running backs go down from running back one? Yeah. <laughs> They'll go hard. I mean, so I'll say it's running back now. They're both, they're both I think, for me, uh, categorized as a luxury position or a non-essential position to have in Dynasty, and both of them I'm just looking to move. So. I would say for me, it's going to be tight end. Um, I, I get what you're saying, though, with the running backs, right? Like, the tight ends don't fall down so much. But the problem is most tight ends just don't fucking matter, period. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're 6 or you're 26. You're mm-hmm. basically the same dude. 
right? Mm-hmm. So those are easily replaceable in just about any league format, right? Outside of just a handful of tight ends, the Travis Kelseys of the world, Mark Andrews, end of list, man. Sam Laporte has been playing really well this year. If you want to throw him in there, TJ Hawkinson as well, that's fine. But the rest of them, the Dallas Cotters, the Pat Fryermuth, the Njokus, the Kyle Pitts, is, they're really no different than a fucking Dalton Schultz from, you know, you wouldn't know the difference. They're easily oh. replaceable. Now, running backs, yes, they can just completely fall off a map and become absolutely just trash and worthless in an instant. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, right? But more of them who miss out on the injury bug are lucky enough to not suffer a catastrophic injury, even as they age, at least difference maker-wise in the league they're still meaningful, right? See Alvin Kamara, see Christian McCaffrey, see some of these, Travis Etienne, you know, he's going into what is third year officially, right? Like some of these guys still maintain some, some difference maker ability at the running back spot, as long as they, they don't suffer these catastrophic injuries or multiple in the case of JK Dobbins and Cam Akers, where they just go to zero or are old and suffer a catastrophic injury like Nick Chubb. So, I would say it's uh, it's probably riskier with the running backs, but the payoff, if I'm right or I get the right one or I get lucky, is is much more than if I get lucky at a tight end, right? If I get lucky on a Dallas Goddard, who gives a shit? No one cares. Well, I was going to say, I, I think at least it sounds to me like we're speaking from different uh, lenses here because for me, I'm answering the question with the mindset of like uh, the, the rebuilding podcast yeah. where we're talking about. So it's like on the rebuilding side, I know that this asset that's up high at running back has a a fuck ton to fall so for me i want to get off floor yeah i want to get off of those assets quicker um not that i don't want that's a good way to look at it so i think you're talking and i'm not going to disagree with what you're speaking from of the lens of if i'm contending which one would i rather have and it's definitely running back than tight end i i so i agree with i think the points you make i just think that we're talking like in like you're talking more on the contending side i'm talking more on the rebuilding side maybe i'm wrong on that but because a lot of the points you make are stellar it's just on the rebuilding side, I don't necessarily care if a guy, how good a guy can score points. Other than other than I don't want too many of them because I want to get 101 or 102, right. you know. Right, you want to get off them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're right in that sense, right? If I'm just looking at it from a rebuilding lens, these running backs got to go. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. These run, like They're going to be priority to get off my team. But there's also players at other positions that are going to be priorities to get off my team. Big time. And, and Big time. speaking about it, and here we're going to go again, you know. The, the knives are going to come out, but Brock Purdy. Remember when he was up at QB1 territory? <laughs> let's So let's do this because I, I, I want to get to this Brock Purdy thing. All right, so let's go. We kind of – I think we talked a lot about – we talked through each one of the positions. So let's let's do this now, go back through in a specific manner of quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends and wide receivers and or vice versa, and we'll get out of here on that note because I think yep. now bringing the players in is going to be awesome. So let's talk with quarterback. And let's, we, we can start with Brock Purdy. You want to go with a bang? Let's do, let's do Brock Purdy. These are going to fall into these, uh, I'm going to list off assets that need to go. There's no question about it, right? You should be looking to move them, getting whatever you really can out of them, right? Like you you want to maximize value all the time. I get it. But like you said, Adam, set a price that's at market and then just go lower. <laughs> just go lower. Make a discount, make a deal. Brock Purdy's one of them, right? When he was up at QB12 a couple of weeks ago, it was your prime time. It's your prime time. Any first for Brock Purdy is yours. Take him. Now good luck with you. I don't care that he's young. 
here's a guy who is Mr. Irrelevant, right? And in a, in a place where they have cycled through quarterbacks and just chewed them up and spit them out. So what, what lent you to believe that this was going to be a long-term answer? And then you see after three horrible games in a row, all of a sudden it's not so shiny, it's not so rosy, right? Well, You're like, damn, that first would have been real nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think too. Uh, it's interesting. You know, timing is what it is. With uh, but concurring things at the same time for me, Mike, it's very interesting in telling. And I've I've had uh, I'll say animated debates with people about certain quarterbacks. And Jimmy Garoppolo was one for a long time. And the big, the biggest and stupidest part about this argument that would end up making it a stalemate or someone just won't see reason is he wins games. Well, he's only ever started and played games in a rare exception for a few games with the greatest coach of all time. And then he's, you know, played with the best system that right. has quarterbacks. And we've seen guys that come in for him still win games outside of the one year where they had just a complete hodgepodge pile of dog shit, right? Now, think about this, though. In the same time frame that this is happening, where people are maybe seeing some of the downside, because that's honestly the first time you've seen downside with Brock Purdy. Like, he's had a great start to his career because the system is great, right? Now you're seeing some of these bad games, and at the same time, you're seeing how hot dog water Jimmy G is outside of that system. Yeah. And how quickly he went to the wayside. And I think like it's a simultaneous timing thing where I'm like, that should almost bake in what you think of players. And I guess the interesting part is this, and I don't think people still pay enough attention to this or care about this, but they should. Let's talk about Trey Lance now in a simultaneous fashion. Trey Lance is, at this point, Mike, I have a hard time adding him into deals that make him enough of a plus that I should even move him. He's that mm-hmm. lowly valued in Dynasty, right? Right. San Francisco had a three first round investment in this player and went from he's the face of the franchise to he's gone in a season. Yeah. So the fact that they don't have any investment really at all in Brock Purdy, you're meaning to tell me if something came along that gave them the same window of winning that they wouldn't move on from Brock Purdy to? The right. only attachment you actually have is the inverse. It's now Brock Purdy is the reason they got rid of that bet, so you think that bet's stronger. I'm here to tell you that there's no guarantee. I'll be uh, completely fair on two guys that I like and talked up at various times, right? We'll live as Sam Howe, same boat. If I got him on rebuilds, sorry. <laughs> you guys got to go. Because why, Adam? The floor is so catastrophic, right? It's kind of like running backs. Right? These guys could be Trey Lance. These guys could be Carson Wentz. They could be any of these other quarterbacks that we make fun of, right? Daniel Jones, right? Like where Daniel Jones is now fallen to. Zach Wilson, right? The, the floor, we see it now. And if you're holding that kind of asset on a rebuilder, like because you like the youth or whatever, if they actually are worth something tangible, they're not worth like what a Trey Lance is worth now where, Jesus, you might be lucky to get a third for the guy. Like you're telling me two seconds, a second and uh, a third, a second and a couple thirds, a second and a throw-in piece, you know, that 
Might be a wide receiver that hadn't done shit this year, right? Might be Quentin Johnston, right? Might be a guy who ain't doing shit. I would rather hold a Quentin Johnston on my team and hope to God that by the end of the year, maybe he has three or four games where he actually shows something. And if he doesn't, who gives a shit? Because if this quarterback goes to zero, I ain't getting anything, right? No one cares. Yeah, I can see it. I'm with you. Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Daniel Jones. All gone. All of them. That's in the must-sell bucket. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, see, now here, here's the, here's the um, I would tell you this. Now, see this bucket here? This bucket right here should be lessons to people as to why we create the must-go bucket, frankly, for me. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because they all showed you that you missed your fucking cell window, buddy. You are in recoupa mode. Recoupa mode. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Jordan Love, the days of first and, you know, a, a first and a grease piece, they don't really exist anymore, man. And now you see why... I guess one of the most frustrating things for me is when people want to defend guys and don't really evaluate their floor appropriately because Jordan loves playing well and all this guy's going to be great for years. Green Bay does this and all this stuff. It's like, dude, we are five weeks into the season, man. This guy has no guaranteed contract. They waited until Aaron Rodgers was dust to give him a chance. Okay. Price is going up. Go ahead. You pay it. I'm not. And, and I think like Jordan love now, Okay, what do you do? Because he's now falling to the point where it is scary hours for him. I don't know that Green Bay retains him. I don't know. He may get other shots, but he's going to become quicker to this first-round draft capital bucket that maybe moves on and has chances to play and start in spots. But when you get to that value, you become second-round or lower, sometimes third-round frauder type, right? And I think that's the reason that I want to highlight this group because – it should be a lesson that you should sell earlier, even young guys, because there's not necessarily a guarantee on certain one of them. And I'm always trying to re-roll in Dynasty as a rebuilder closer to the liquidity, closer to the youth error movement, right? There's a lot more air that they can have on the field in time for you to air and get off of the asset. The more set in stone it becomes, the worse it is. So right now, like, is Kenny Pickett a must-sell for me? Yes and no. Yes, because I need to sell this asset, but it's no because I don't, Mike, a lot of these leagues, I don't see Kenny Pickett go anywhere near a first. I'm not saying you even have to get a first, but I don't even see people sending, like, I, I think some people say they won't even know if they want to send a second. Well, if you don't want to send me a second, I'm keeping my freaking Kenny Pickett till he dies. That's fair. That's fair because he is and, a quarterback. Right. And that's, that's where I think this group here, it's a must sell given what the price, given a realistic, appropriate price. And, like I think they're more so for me, depending on the on the prospect or the player. Like you may have missed your cell window, but you better be really on the ball because if another one comes, if a window comes, they gotta go because you already seen the value loss that you gave up. I get you. I get you. I would say uh, the quarterback you get a little bit of leeway, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit because it's you can still play the leverage, and you see like Gardner Minshew going for multiple thirds, maybe a second in the league. Uh, you see, you see the Joshua Dobbs. We had to talk about him on the trade show today, uh, just because people need him at various times. 
during the season. And like those opportunities to sell again seem to pop up, even if you can cash out. So if it's like Kenny Pickett, I'll give you two thirds. Well, piss off. (laughs) Worst case, Kenny gets fucking benched. Uh, You know, he's a backup for somebody next year. The starter goes down. And for seven weeks, Kenny Pickett's starting and people know it. Like I could get two thirds out of Kenny Pickett then too, boys. <laughs> I also I also think like we have to keep certain things in mind for certain quarterbacks. Okay. Like Jordan mm-hmm. Love, there's a real scenario where he's not a starter next year. Right? Yes. Um like understand if the season ended today, Pittsburgh is in the playoffs with Kenny Pickett, right? And this is a team that has shown how do you want to phrase this? The um, lack of turnover. They continue to stay with guys unless it's mm-hmm. Mr. Trubisky. But they they have a first round investment in him. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they wouldn't take another late first round quarterback. But if they're in the playoffs and Tomlin is over 500 and they're winning games, they tend to roll with that approach. So Kenny Pickett may have a longer leash as a starter, even though he's not giving you shit in fantasy really than you think. So yeah, like that's one of the things I would consider with him different necessarily than other guys in that range, but. The point, I think, overall, still, Mike, is just uh, for this group. Like you kind of, you've kind of probably missed a peak sell window. However, you really need to get off of them if you can. It's just you're going to have to be grinding to find it. I think. Right, running backs is easy. Right? Yes, <laughs> running backs is easy. <laughs> See ya. Bye. So let, let's use an example like James Conner. You're rebuilding, or you're tearing it down. You're a failed contender. What are you taking for James Conner? Bottom dollar. Nothing. He's already gone. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I'm taking. I got you. Decided to kick it in. Um, someone sends me a second, dude. He's gone. He's probably not getting that though. Um, two thirds. Probably. Yeah. Go ahead. Would you be okay with like a third and a Kendra Miller? Yeah, I think one one thing I will caution people on though. Okay. Then you sell a Kendra the first time he does anything. That is the the key to this trade. However, that's also the flaw possibly in this trade is one thing I don't really like to do if I don't have to. Now, there are times where you just got to do it. Hmm. Or there's times it's it behooves you to add Kendra Miller because he's essentially all the deals you're getting. Kendra so close to free. You want to try to see if you can re-roll him. But when you take a running back back like that, I don't think people really – because the market doesn't correct the first year, really. It's interesting. It doesn't correct in how they look at the player until going into next year where another resurgence of running backs come. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is you now have to sell Kendra Miller. And the the market, while you can't really liquidate a Kendra Miller right now, right, the market tells you he's not worth a third and all this other stuff. Well, I'm here to tell you, if Kendra goes this whole season – doesn't get much work goes into next year the whole draft class happens again going into next year what's going to be the difference between him and what Zamir White was going into sophomore year not much there you go. and that is I think the flaw with taking that player on you have to understand that you might wait for a Kendra Miller moment that never happens in his career but if you're okay with it right like I I would say on a rebuilder I'm okay because I inherently know that that's going to be a risk that this well, dude's a zero. Yes. But if this is the best offer I can get, I really want the draft pick, mm-hmm. right? I well, that the that's the key. That's the key is the third to your point. Yes, that's the and key. And then the dart the throw somewhere else, right? Like something just to make me – if it's a zero, I don't give a shit. Like The, okay. the key is 
the key is essentially right to that trade why you could take it is the third maybe isn't quite what you want to extract for Connor. You want more. So some of it is in a dart throw form, but you're still extracting, I'd say, 80% of James Conner, right? So inherently, you're taking on a little bit of risk, but there's upside, and you know that even if you if he completely bottoms out and he dies on your roster, you didn't eat James Conner, because here's the other thing. If James Conner was out for the season, Mike, you're definitely not even getting a third. Right. You know, and right. that's the other thing is you want to get off of these guys before they go to zero. Uh, Derek Henry. Mm. This one is a troubling, tough one because you'll see in some leagues where he goes for a first, right? And you want to sit here and say, I want a first. Okay. I would love to have a first for uh, Derek Henry. I'm not telling you not to try to get a first, but I'm just telling you that there's 12 first round picks in 2024, 10 if you're in the 10 team, 12 in 2025, and understand you know as well the math seems to check out (laughs) well for the guy with the picks because there's other derrick henry's there's not really another derrick henry but there's other running back assets that you can go buy with a first round pick or hell you don't have to even consider a first round pick worthy of spending on a running back you can fill your team with guys that aren't first round picks at running back so um i think mike i would like to try I will explore, you know, a week or so of can I get something in the range of a first and a player, re-roll into a younger receiver or something. But I'm here to tell you if you can't do that, man, if someone gives you two seconds type for Derrick Henry, he should be long gone. I set the price at a second. Single? Single. I think that would be about the floor I would even consider taking, and that would be league dependent, where it's like, all right, I know this is what I'm going to get as my top dollar. Like that, that to me is going to be my floor. If I don't get a second for Derek, I'm not even talking to you. I'm not 25, 26. <clears throat> really? You go 26 mm-hmm. second? Yep. I don't know that I'm that aggressive, but to the point you're making, I think I think I think the thing you have to understand with a guy like Henry and guys in this bucket, we'll call it, okay, Eckler, guys like this. Part of, I think, what is problematic about, and this is where people, I think, decide to get too much on the hold side, right? Oh, I'm not going to just trade him for that. That's stupid. Why would I do that? Okay. I hear you. And I think this is where you have to really do a little bit deeper dive. Not on selling. They have to be sells, okay? I'm not telling you to not sell. What I'm telling you is you got to do a deeper assessment of your league mates, your teams, who needs running back? Who has the ability or has shown an affinity to pay for running back? What would a deal look like with them? And those are going to have to be, if you want to get higher value, you need to really start grinding those edges and figuring that out because there are going to be some leagues, Mike, where you're not really going to get more in a second. You know, I I would push back on a 26 just because it's so far out, but at the same time, if you're telling me that's absolutely the only second you can get, you're better off doing that than having Derrick Henry really go down further. So, um, going to zero. Yeah, I, a twenty-six second one is is a tough one. Like it's a tough pill to swallow. But the, these the, are the tough conversations you got to have. And I'll say hypothetically, Adam, you're mm-hmm, in a league. Mm-hmm. Nobody even give you a second, right? He's got to go. Two thirds, boys. <clears throat> give me two thirds. I'll tell. This is where. 
Mike, because he's so meaningful still, in my opinion, to a contender, especially in like best ball, I will give middle fingers to the leagues at certain points on stuff like this. I'll tell you guys, fuck up. I'm not letting some contender win a league for three or two thirds on Derrick Henry. So to the point, I think though, this is, this is only Mike going to be, and everybody listening, Dynasty Degenerates, a very select group of people that I'll put in this middle finger bucket. I'm stopping the price here because I know what they can potentially mean to a contender. It's the only reason I'll do that. And that, the problem with that is, Mike, is guess what I do? Is I'm nuking inherently some of my own value too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think though for two thirds, <laughs> for two thirds, Mike, this is the thing I will say: for two thirds, I'll nuke my two thirds if I have to, to set I'm a waiting. precedent on that. I'm not, and I'll I'll tell you this: there's also times, Mike, you have to draw a line because here's the thing: if if you start letting everybody just get two thirds for Derrick Henry. Where does the bleeding stop? People are going to abuse and use you and abuse you on some of these guys. So I'll draw the line for sure at two-thirds. I'm not doing that. No way. On assets like that, I'd, you can abuse me all you want. You take them. They're yeah. yours. They're yep. your problem. Yeah, but see, the thing is, clean up on our, like, five, two-thirds for an asset that good. If you're in, a, like, a nuke rebuild, it's not going to get it done for me because it's not going to help me enough get to where I need to go. If I have a dog shit rebuild to get over, so I, I'd rather I'd rather let Derrick Henry avo- like disintegrate on my team than take two thirds. Uh, must go buckets, and uh, we kind of talked about some wide receivers, right? Keenan Allen, Debo, uh, Christian Kirk, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, they got to go, right? Chris Godwin, gotta Mike go. Evans, Mari Cooper, <clears throat> Christian Watson, Calvin Ridley, Jacoby here, let, let's talk about a couple. Well, we can talk about some specifics, but I, I, I want to ask your opinion on this. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> like the the problem with a Derrick Henry one, okay, where I'm with you up to a certain price point. He's a must sell, okay, unless I'm getting so so uh, few pennies on the dollar that I don't think at this point it's even in my interest to trade him. Those guys need to go. But when I talk about other guys, okay, because <clears throat> here's the thing. Derrick Henry, like when I use this p- specific one, Derrick Henry's price, Mike, and I think about the up and down volatility of the market, Derrick Henry's not likely to gain a ton of value in steam and have a bump and a resurgence in value. Right? So he's a must-go player 100% his, of the time. His his production actually isn't as rosy as we thought. The no, two-thirds he, is actually very fucking like <clears throat> next year if I had the two-thirds, right? Like say I don't even get him in 24. I get him in 25. I turn this thing around in a year. Next year, 24, I'm going, man, there's a Kyron Williams situation happening right now. Fucking glad I got them two-thirds for Derrick Henry. He's doing nothing. This guy's producing, and I can buy him for the same thing, right? Just the next year, when I'm ready and actually want the points. That's why I mean, like, especially with running backs like Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, like those guys in that range, like, I'm good if this is the best I can do. I really can. I don't care if it helps somebody win the league. I'm thinking about what I'm doing next year. I think of what I'm what I'm doing in 2025. Well, for sure, I, and you should be. However, like to me, the reason I say that is I know, like I just know, Mike, the the Derrick Henry name in a 12 team league. I can sell for a second. You can sell for a 2026 20, second somewhere. Someone will pay you a second for Derrick Henry when it's time to push the chips in. So for me, I just in market sediments, I'm drawing the line at the two third range now. Like that—that that would be different for every player. There's obviously going to be points where I'm saying, "No, man, I'm ta- this is where I draw the line." There's always going to be a line I will draw on every player, um, unless they're just complete garbage. Now, 
the reason I'm saying this, though, the, what I'm trying to get to with these receivers is when I say, all right, you know what? Are they a must-sell? And I try, I'm, I'm assessing it. Part of it for me is going to be what is the market currently on this player and what is it looking like in the future? What can it become, both down and up? And, like, an interesting one to me right now is Chris Godwin because he's in this bucket now where you're seeing with him. I've talked about this at length before. When receivers get around 26 in age, definitely as they get older from that point, you're no longer given this air time, right? This you're, you're building up. Like JSN, man. JSN has not done a lot for your teams. People are very bullish on his future. Like the future topic is out of the window for guys like Chris Godwin. So because of that, and when he's not playing well this year, like I'm seeing, like Chris Godwin is one, I'm not even saying he's not a must-sell, but like the market now on him has dipped to the point where I think it's at least worth discussing based on what the price would be if I need to sell Chris Godwin or not. And there could be some value resurgence because you do see some guys in this range still pick up some value. So I think for me, most of the guys you mentioned there are in a hundred percent the bucket that you say um there's probably there's some other guys i think that stuck out chris godwin was another one but there might be some guys in this range where you're saying man like what i'm seeing in my current league market in a trade maybe it's actually not worth selling for that price on this specific player maybe there is a slight bump in value coming up again but i, I think you need to have an honest discussion with yourself about what that value is for the players set a reasonable price and if it, you're not getting that then you know, that's when you hold. You still should be looking to move Chris Godwin, though, is the thing. I'm not telling you just to hold Chris Godwin now. I'm just telling you it makes you have to have an honest conversation of what the price should be and can you get it. It feels like so long ago, but it was only three years ago. Chris Godwin was a top five wide receiver in Dynasty Value. People screaming wide receiver one at places, man, you know? And, Mike, yeah. here's here's the thing. It's funny. We Been talked downhill about- every single year since then. Going into the 2022 season, there was a lot of people that were angry with us. We had the mm-hmm. Smitty versus Chris Godwin conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Getting buried in the offseason because, well, there's nothing even to show you for your work. It's just yeah, it's just everyone's opinions. But then, Mike, Godwin had some moments. He was coming off the injury. There was reasons we were telling you to fade him at his price. Yep. Okay, then they had the quarterback change away from you know the GOATs. And now, like, it hasn't really gone the greatest with Baker. I'm not saying he's could never have good games with Baker. He's he's shown some. He's just shown a much lower floor than I ever would have thought Chris Godwin has. So I think, Mike, the, the reason I'm bringing all that up is I think he fits a perfect discussion on this, this whole podcast. One, even young players on your rebuilders, they should be muscles that are when they're peaking in value, man. Chris Godwin, think about that. Chris Godwin, everybody would have told you three years ago, you're an idiot if you sold Chris Godwin on a rebuild. He's a staple. He's a cornerstone asset. Yep. Okay, for how long? A year? Maybe? Yep. Mike, you you know what? I'll let you have your cornerstone asset, okay? I will extract at wide receiver three, five, seven, one prices, right? Like... That's that's where on rebuilders, I don't think the I think part of what I'm trying to explain is the mindset shift should always be to sell. People get too too worried about well, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna formulate my roster? You worry about that when you have a bag, a fucking heavy bag of shit to go buy what you want. 
when you accumulate enough dynasty value, now you worry about buying what you need to for your lineup. Now you go back to playing the contender game. Right now, I don't care who any of them are. Literally, not at all. I'm extracting value and keeping the value roll going. It's a snowball, man. I'm snowballing this value. I don't care if you see it in my lineup, on my bench, on my taxi, on my draft pick value. I'm extracting value. So with Godwin, because you go through stages now, and the reason I want to talk about him now and set, see what prices look like is you went through windows. Well, uh, now I don't, I'm not getting wide receiver seven prices anymore. It's like wide receiver 20. I'm going to hold. Okay. You tell yourself that story again and you hold and you hold. Now he's, what is he now? Wide receiver 40 type? I mean, I don't know. Wide receiver 36 on keep trade cut, Mike. So now what do you do? And now I think you're at probably maybe a discussion with Chris Godwin where for the first time I could actually make a case depending on what the market was in your league to actually hold. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm saying maybe. I'm saying maybe because he was always a sell before that just because of his inherent value, right? He was never Justin Jefferson. He was never Jamar Chase. He was never – even those guys, but that's a different conversation. Um, now so. he just falls in that range of wide receiver where it's like, realistically, in the 2024 draft class, 2025 draft class, <clears throat> could I replace them with a mid-round, second-round pick wide receiver? Yeah, production-wise, dynasty value. This guy might actually even shoot up way past where Chris Godwin is. You know, right now, currently, as I'm selling off, so I think that's kind of why I just lend myself with Chris Godwin types. Um, they are a wide receiver in a pretty flat tier. You give me a second and a plus, Chris Godwin is yours. Terry McLaurin, you give me a second and a plus, Terry McLaurin is yours. We're going to get the points off my team, help my draft picks, get some liquidity, and whatever the plus is, right? Dark well, I think, to a wide receiver, not, third I think, round pick, cause I think future that's... 2026 second. Well, that's I think the conversation because here's the thing: if I'm getting two seconds for Godwin, yes, I'll take. I'll here you go, right? Because I think the plus is the big thing. Because Mike, here's the thing: I'm I'm probably you can make a case. By the way, I'm not even going to say um, that you couldn't sell for a 24 second and just be like, listen, this is a part of my big process play to just re-roll everything. Right. If you want to do that, I'm okay. Uh, but I also with him would be not opposed to saying, ah, single second, I'm gonna hold i'll just and the reason i'll say this like if you just think about eight weeks in, i'm with you because because right? he's young enough right yes. to stay within that flat tier yes. for another and, year or two and the other thing is with chris godwin i still am of the mindset anyway he's i think he's at least a talented enough player to where we might be looking at more of a valley in his production right and yeah. they're judged on their production so if there is some market value production bump back at some point you could sell the name again so um, for me, I think the single second I might pass on, but like, if you wanted to just sell for a second, that's the best you can get. I'm not even going to fight you. Now, last one I'm going to ask you, cause sometimes trading for draft capital, which we talk about extensively, isn't available, right? Like some of your contenders are already leveraged, but maybe they got <laughs> useful pieces, exciting, useful pieces. How many of these turds are you willing to consolidate? And we'll talk about best ball leagues because line up like start nine, I don't know. 10 of them 
<laughs> you give me one really good asset, you could have all ten of these, you know, fucking James Connors and Derrick Henrys that I'm talking about here. Like you take them all, give me CJ Stroud, you know what I mean, in a start nine lineup league. And then I'll take CJ Stroud and I'll down tier into something else. But how many of these guys in like a best ball league where we're we're always thinking about asset multiplication, we're thinking about uh, you know, multiple shots at the dartboard, right, in a best ball league. How many of these uh these pieces, Adam? Like, would you take to go to, you know, let's use C.J. Stroud as an example. Okay. Four. So Five. I'm taking I'm taking four of these guys to do. Like hey, re- rephrase. I, I got a I got a perfect trade. All right. Okay. <clears throat> one right. one that sparked this whole thing where I was just like, you know, we'll see if this actually gets done. I really want to see what somebody's opinion is in a best ball league, right? Yeah. I got C.J. Stroud as a contender. Good contender piece, at least for this year. He's been fine. But if I could come off as C.J. Stroud in a best ball league as a contender and get, you know, use the uh, use the dynasty value, right, to get old shitty pieces no one wants, championship over long-term dynasty, right? Sure. And for sure. a team that's rebuilding, you know, I'm thinking, man, C.J. Stroud would be a hell of an asset because if we're doing a startup draft right now, <laughs> kind of like you're doing in a rebuild, you're going – Fuck! What would I? You know how yeah. many of these? And this ninth, is a this is best ball twelfth. Right? Yeah, best ball league. So, um, James Conner, Gerald Everett, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, Gabe Davis. Have I hit too much yet? Is that asking for too much back for a CJ Stroud? Um, I I would say this. Not, not you're probably, you're not asking too much. Uh, I I'll say in dynasty value you're not asking too much. I think in best ball the problem is people probably are weary of sending even though they're getting a great player. Like, can I afford to sell eight of my? Like, here's the thing: we we have these thirty man rosters, right? And if you look at a lot of them, people probably have fourteen to sixteen assets, even in this type of range you're talking about. So let's say you get C.J. Stroud on a consolidation piece. Mike, you just named me six players, I think, right? Yeah. You, you got C.J. Stroud and eight players and maybe not that many picks. Good luck, buddy. C.J. Stroud ain't carrying all that. That's like that's where that trade, I, I love the process play. If you can get something like that done, that's it's like so, it's such a weird one to talk about because you're like, listen, if you can build around C.J. Stroud, great, but what did it cost you? My camera's just set on freezing, so we might just be frozen today, buddy. It looks that way. If I were to ask you, though, on the other side of it, like what uh, would you do it, right, if you were the rebuilder, right? Say you're the failed contender in best ball. Are you going to shop these guys around? Obviously, I would say first, you're going to shop them around and see if you can get any bites, right? See if you can load up on some of these seconds, right? See if that's a thing. Yeah. Well, let's say it's not. Let's say it's not. Nobody's giving you the seconds for fucking Baker Mayfield, and you know they're not giving you two seconds for Sam Howell, and they're not giving you a second for James Conner. Right? right. They're barely want to give you a third for Gerald Everett. Right. It's like some of these throw-ins. If you're on the other side, you can't get this done, and everybody's lowballing the shit out of you, like with some of these other offers we talked about. You know what I mean? But you need to rebuild. You need to tear this down in a best ball league. Are you going to one asset or are you holding them? Possibly. I mean, I think I would go to one asset if that's, 
if it made the most sense based on the offers I had on the table. Typically, I don't want to consolidate too much on a rebuild in best ball, you know, as a whole, like just in general. But mm-hmm. for the certain, for a certain league or something, yeah, I may have to, you know. Well, and, and think about it, it's a rebuild too. So at least when I look at it, I think I'm going to be more open to this. I'm going to look around and see if I have uh, a couple teams that need to like throw in the towel. And I'll be a little bit more open to uh, to go into one asset, Adam. I think this is something that you can actually get done because of the simple fact, right? Like, let's say it's C.J. Stroud in this case. I take all these assets and I send them away for C.J. Stroud. People go, oh, it's best ball. Blah, blah. You're not thinking of the fact that, like, when I bring C.J. Stroud to the conversation in the offseason when I'm thinking about team building, C.J. Stroud gets me in a whole nother fucking stratosphere well, as far as what I can down tier into multiple pieces for. You know Correct. what I mean? No, no. Now well, all of sure. a sudden I take C.J. Stroud and I turn them into three really good dynasty assets. You know what I mean? I think, and now to the point of the of the clip you're talking about, right? <clears throat> I still will err, like, in that scenario. I would rather have C.J. Stroud than the six, probably, frankly. Even in best ball. Now, the reason I'll say that is I think that, like, I play in so many leagues, I have done a bad job on some of them. But I've learned a lot, and I think that I'm still able to play up the edges to make back what I lose there. Where mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is a lot harder. You know how hard it is to get a CJ Stroud, man? <laughs> you could take you could take a bunch of shots in the early first and not get yourself a CJ Stroud, dude. Right? Like yes. so 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 what like for for an example, just to just to clarify here. If that's Bryce Young though, I don't know that I'm having the same conversation. Correct. Doesn't carry the same weight doesn't carry the same weight and it's not to say that Bryce Young couldn't at one point be in the mix right now though what I've seen out of him in this sample size and what I've seen out of CJ Stroud put them in categorically different places Mm -hmm. you're talking about one pushing the elite of the elite in his rookie year and one who's barely holding on above Kenny Pickett (laughs) I will I will fizzle ask a great question is CJ Stroud now worth the 24-101? And I would say it's um, yes. Undoubtedly. No question about it. So just just think about this for a second, okay? Caleb Williams has to come in and do X to be what CJ Stroud is worth today. Hmm. And he's got to come out just about as hot as CJ Stroud is. The point is he's got to come out guns blazing. And yeah. if I can have a secure, young, stud-looking quarterback that's shown me a very high ceiling in his rookie season, I'll just take that right now as opposed to yeah. waiting to see if Caleb Williams is going to do that. I'm with him. CJ Stroud is definitely worth more than the 101. He's worth the 101 plus. Well, here's the thing. If I can get, if I can send my 101 for CJ Stroud, I'm doing it. There's yeah. no debate for me. Like any build. Even if I'm taking on points here. Dunsky. Even if he, even if he's gonna, even if somehow he's gonna get forty points, and I might end up winning that week because of it, I'll take CJ Stroud. Yep, I'm with you. That's a good way to end it right there. CJ Stroud's worth more than the 101. Hot take alert. Boop, boop. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't know, Mike. At least for me, I, I try to give a lot of the processes that I think about in rebuilds. And I'll say this, you know, I draw the line at two-thirds on a Derrick Henry piece. Mike and I will probably have some differences. You mm-hmm. should have some differences, honestly, for yourself. Everybody should have differences at certain points of what a floor is for player X, okay? But that is not at all what I want you to highlight in the point of this 
podcast. You can have your draw line in the sand prices, and that's fine. But I just want to make sure that you take away the big points from this. Like, what are the floor prices, and are you being reasonable with the market? Okay? Like, are yeah. you asking for prices that can get done in leaks? And I want you to be aggressive with the mindset of getting this thing started, getting the rebuild rolling. Because the more draft liquidity you have, you may, if you haven't done it a lot, you may feel uncertain in the moment. What do I have here? All this, it's a, I hate to be Philly on this, but trust the process, man. Like this is just the the start of it. This is the start of it, right? You're going to roll these picks over and over and it's going to be a long process in just getting more assets. If you feel any better about it, any NBA fans out there, go look at the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, right? Talk about a team just absolutely loaded with draft picks. Trust in the process. And now there's just stacked top to bottom with all this youthful, young talent that's appealing. Doesn't mean that they got to keep it, right? They might use that to go trade for a couple superstars, right? Some max deal players. And all of a sudden you're talking about the next Golden State Warriors kind of little dynasty run going on. But how they do it? By saying, fuck it. We ain't winning shit with... Kevin Durant. We ain't winning shit with Russell Westbrook. We ain't winning shit when we brought in Paul George. Everything must go. I don't care what it is, right? Serge Ibaka is a nice, youngish player. Gone. And then what happens to Ibaka after that, right? Shit. Injuries. <laughs> like, the entire, just a the, guy. The entire game kind of changed. Bigs didn't even matter, man. You know? Yep. So this is the kind of thing we're talking about with rebuilding, right? You gotta, You gotta go with that NBA... Sixers thunder approach uh, and it it's scary it can be scary the first time you do it I think Adam you and I have lived in it for so long like that's actually a comfort zone now like, no well that no I, I and that's I agree that's a hundred percent correct I think I think when you're used to playing on the contending side and that's your position of comfort of course it's gonna be scary you'd like to see in week nine 10 11 your teams are scoring right. points you know what people don't like to see when they're used to that a bunch of picks that aren't scoring anything. They're freaked out, man. You get freaked it's out. It's nice, though. It's nice. I actually, I really enjoy it. You should give it a try. <laughs> I do, too. I like it a lot. I think it's, uh, and when you come out of one, see, if you do it the right way, and if you actually stick through it, man, there's almost, there's a refreshing feeling that you can't replicate few places in life, man. Like, re- you come out of that rebuild, you've been into a year or two, and you're looking at like, man, I have so much ability to go buy a lot of stuff and like make this team built my way now. It's it is a rewarding feeling because if you do it the right way too, you're gonna end up having leverage against a lot of these contenders that also don't want to rebuild. Oh, buddy, that's maybe the funnest part of it. Unequivocally, the best contenders I've ever made, the best dynasty rosters I've ever had, have been off of a rebuild. <clears throat> Always. Every it's, single time. It's, it's, it's impo- it is basically impossible to come out of a startup, even an auction, with a team that's as juggernauted as you can make in a rebuild in two years. Right. Right. Adam, I think you're seeing it too. Like, uh, I got to witness you with the, uh, the original shit league uh, tank for two years, and now it's just a damn juggernaut team that you've built. Uh, conversely, for people who are in best ball one resurrection, whether you people want to admit it or not, like this team that I got because I tanked this son of a bitch so hard, it is a juggernaut. Like it is coming. 
uh, some of these other best bowl leagues that we started where I went tank and you went compete. Like you're seeing the the flip flop now, right? You competed oh, yeah. out of the startup. I tanked for two years and now it's like, here we go. Like it's on. And you find yourself, you find yourself in the middle going, man, I didn't think I was going to compete this year, but damn, this team's good. And well, damn, I got draft capital all over. I got shit. I got three twenty four picks. Oh, one of these is going to be early. Let's see what I can leverage this one into. Like this is the kind of thing that you want. You want a roster that doesn't have holes, and you still got liquidity. And you just go, oh, well, I could pay a little bit above market to go get Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey or you know. Let's you know what man. Let's let's do this too because I think I think this is actually a podcast. Um, so let's let's table this specific point for next week because loved it. Coming out of the rebuild now, because a lot of people they're like, oh, okay, I have to start a rebuild, I have to sell these assets, but let's give how do I hope. how do I how do I get out of it? And I think that's the the next one we do next week, man. Good, because I've uh, I've had like six of these teams this year. Like I find myself here in week eight, week and that's nine, and that I think going. is even that one there is even more so. Uh, less of the one size fits all than just needing to rebuild is pretty clear cut and dry and how you yeah. do it right but okay. that one can look a different way so I, I'm excited to talk about that one but I hope this one here for teams that have failed or know they are not competing this year and they need to know what to do there's your answers man it's up to you helped. do it or don't but that is the 40 chess dynasty football podcast and just remember when your league mates are playing chess play 40 chess Love y'all. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week for what to do when coming out of a rebuild. Peace. Peace.